Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Getting traded to Minnesota changes nothing. Six foot four guys running four fours. These guys don't grow on trees. And a lot of times I'm more in the bet on especially you know long term on the freak athlete. You don't ever want to overreact to what guys look like in preseason. There's been a ton of preseason all stars that never make rosters or, or never pan out. Right? 
Welcome back to Belly Up Fantasy Live. Of course, as always, joined by Chris Dauhauer. I am your host, Adam LaRue. Chris, how's it going? How's it hanging in? How were the fantasy teams this past weekend? Well, Adam, the fantasy teams won, but I feel a little grody about it. I know the rest of, you know, Belly Up Nation out there, but this week was some bad football, in my opinion. And while I won, I probably scored the least amount of points I think I've scored the entire season in one of the leagues that I won. Um, it was just kind of a battle of attrition. Yeah, no, this is one of the uh, lowest scoring uh, fantasy seasons thus far in recent memory. Definitely, um, you know, consistency has definitely felt like it's key uh, this year because certainly there are, have been a lot of ups and downs that I've seen a lot of my league's team scoring, you know, 170 one week and then and then 190 to like 90 to 100 uh the next uh so certainly some interesting stuff uh as far as scoring goes there's one team in particular we're scoring we want to really uh dig into a little bit because they had been kind of a fantasy gold mine to start the season one of the best in the league uh, and it's been tough going for them the last three weeks and that is the baltimore ravens of course, we all saw the amazing, really fun game uh, that they had with Miami. Another really great one with Buffalo, where they kind of went toe-to-toe for a little bit. Uh, and then the last three weeks against, uh, we have Cincinnati, uh, we have uh, the Giants, uh, and actually it was Buffalo. Uh, they had the New England game where the offense played really well. Um, but the last three weeks, Buffalo has not gone past 20 points in any of them. And again, the Buffalo game, fair pass. That's an uh, incredibly difficult matchup, and their defense is really good. For as far as one of the, like an elite offense, one of the best defenses to pair with it that I feel like I've seen in a long time. Uh, but at any rate, uh, what's your take on b- the Baltimore offense right now? Uh, I feel like it's redeemable. But it certainly has felt rough getting, you know, 15-point outings uh, from Lamar the past three weeks. Uh, Obviously, Bateman's been out for a little bit, but it's been hard to really live off of anyone consistently other than Mark Andrews. Uh, You know, J.K. Dobbins, who was hurt in this past game, although it didn't appear to be overly serious, uh, had like seven carries for, I believe, 15 yards. Um, Week before that wasn't anything crazy. He had gone played really, really well uh, the week prior, uh, mind you. He definitely still has something in the tank. Um, Anyways, Chris, what's your kind of take on the Baltimore offense? Are we a Bateman back from kind of things being normal, or what's up? I'm not sure if it's a Bateman back, but I don't think it necessarily, you know, is a surprise that when you look at kind of the pattern in the last three games, as you pointed out, that's when Rashad Bateman was not playing. This team was sorely lacking playmakers, and I think that's what you're seeing right now. Lamar's awesome. He can't carry a team by himself. You know, nobody can. That's the NFL. Um, and there's a, able, there's ways to kind of contain him in a sense. And I think there's two things that are kind of being unfolding. Without Rashad Bateman, that threat, you know, the, the deep threats especially, isn't really in the offense at all. It's probably kind of brought to Sean Jackson in. Um, but I think part of that also, when you bring that, you know, that deep threat, it kind of makes things harder for Greg Roman, who's already a terrible play caller when it comes to the passing game as it is, to kind of, create quote-unquote his passing attack he needs the underneath stuff he needs to be kind of opened up because as we've heard you know other Willie Steed and different you know receivers have commented that the receiver tree that they run is pretty Neanderthal at best and path you know pass concepts aren't very complicated so I think when you have Lamar the key thing is that you have to kind of you know give him what play play 
playmakers, including somebody who can kind of stretch the field, and then also have the play calling maybe change up a little bit. I think what you're seeing also is people are kind of sitting on the fact that the Ravens had done well early throwing early. And what I mean by that is they're going power formations and they're throwing out of it. But when you look at the, the numbers, the Ravens team became a very pass-happy team. So when you're a, a, a team, you know, preparing against them and you realize it's a pass-funneling team in a sense offensively, then you're not, you're not worried about the running game. And you've kind of seen that because they haven't really utilized it. You know, Drake had a nice a game this past week, but until then they really hadn't utilized the running game over the last few weeks efficiently. And I think ultimately the Ravens are built to be bullies. You have a big four, you know, big team, and you're not establishing your team identity to allow yourself to kind of take over in the fourth quarter. Instead, what you're trying to do is play finesse in the fourth quarter, and Lamar has made bad decisions the last two weeks. No, no doubt about it. But I think part of that is if I'm up and I'm, you know, been blundering you all day, now I can kind of be Lamar and I had an extra spring and I can make the big play and I can kind of end it for you versus now I'm being asked yet again to make something happen in the, in, at the end because we can't put anybody away. Yeah, Dave uh, definitely had issues, but I would tend to agree. Uh, there's some issues with play calling there, issues with weapons. Uh, I do think that Bateman coming back, uh, getting Deshaun, someone who can kind of take the top off, still looked pretty fast uh, for the Rams last year. Um, I, I think that it's at least helpful. Uh, you know, I don't know uh, how consistent the early early season stuff is going to look, but I do think that we'll be have it, uh, better days coming forward. Uh, moving on to injuries, a uh, big thing that I want to go ahead and take a look out. I'm going to throw a couple names at you. I want to give here uh, your reactions. Uh, what do you think about them? What do you think about the players around them? So the first one there, that's Hollywood Brown uh, went down kind of late in that Arizona game uh, on a pass that he was targeted on. Um, it looks, it sounds to me like things are more positive than they initially thought, but Chris, I'll let you, uh, you know, kind of explain what you know and what you think it means for the Arizona guys around him. Yeah, there were, you know, there was possibly season ending, but it's you know, when they're saying now it should be four to six weeks that he'll probably out, you know, more leaning towards the six possibly as probably why they made the Rodney Anderson trade, Robbie uh, Anderson trade that they, they pulled off. Um, but I think Marquise Brown, he's, what he was, he's number receiver eight. He's one of the more productive, consistent receivers you could actually have this year. He wasn't scoring touchdowns, but the Arizona team isn't scoring touchdowns. And what I look at is a lot of people were kind of expecting DeAndre Hopkins to come in and save the day. And maybe this, you know, will be a, another opportunity for him in a sense where there'll be a, a definite opportunity for uh, targets, a target, you know, vacuum. Um, but I haven't seen this Arizona team do anything offensively versus anybody. And I think we're living off an image versus the reality that we're getting this year. They just played the Seattle team that had been given hemorrhaging points left and right. I mean, Andy Dalton was able to put up 39 points versus his team with fourth-string receivers basically in New Orleans and Alvin Kamara. So when you look at that, and you've had a team built for three or four years down in Arizona, they have their quarterback, he's paid. They've had their different weapons. They've had him for two years. Marquise Brown was the new piece, and he was the, the most consistent guy. It makes me a little bit afraid that this offense might not necessarily be something that we want to tap into as much as people want to look at it. Now, Hopkins might be the biggest beneficiary in my book, and maybe you know you see Ronald Moore kind of find his niche. But what I'm worried about now with Marquise Brown out is we've already seen the kind of targets you know, only be consolidated to Marquise Brown and this other slot receiver, whoever that might be. But you are not getting any other plays in, in production. So it was Rondell Moore, it was Greg Zorch. They're getting their five, six catches, PPR, full point PPR is awesome. But the rest of the scoring leads, it's hard to kind of live off these Arizona you know, playmakers. To me, the best guy that who, who's the best and who isn't going to drop necessarily because of what happened 
is Zach Ertz. Everybody thought when Hopkins comes back, Zach Ertz's value might take you know a flop. That ain't definitely not going to happen. My book is on Marquise Brown's out. Now he's probably going to be one of the most definitive weapons you're going to have week in, week out. So that probably puts some of the top-tier tight ends to get your hands on. Yeah, no, love uh, love to hear that. Thanks for uh, the rundown there. Carson Wentz in Washington. Uh, what's kind of the makeup there? We already have Heineke announced as the starter this upcoming week. Uh, Washington has been unwilling to rule out the IR, but given uh, that they haven't moved him there yet, I kind of doubt that that's uh, you know, going to be the play for them. Uh, that being said, you know, say they don't go IR, then we're probably looking at around three to four weeks. Uh, you know, what do you think for the Washington offense? Uh, what do you think for Heineke? Uh, what's your, your thought process here? So the only person I feel like kind of might benefit, and he didn't last year, so it's kind of been going out on a limb, you know, for previous experience, but Heineke might be a boom for Terry McLaurin. Uh, I know Terry McLaurin didn't kind of have the you know the numbers people wanted him to have last year, and McHenneke was the quarterback eventually. You know, Fitzpatrick was brought in, but never kind of materialized. But the previous year, when Heineke took over, and we've seen kind of something similar in Dallas Cooper Rush, he targeted the crap out of his number one receiver because that's usually what the guy who's sitting on the bench does. He finds the guy who's easiest to get the ball to and who's getting the most separation. Who I'm my first read, and I don't think. He's gonna. He might be pretty good with that. The only problem I have right now is Scott Turner has gotten compressively worse as the season has gone gone on. Um, they can't seem to figure out what they want to be. And I kind of also putting that on Ron Rivera. I seen this in Carolina before. Where it was like, you know, we want to pass. We have all these, you know, three or four receivers deep. And we have Carson Wentz, great arm, and then we're gonna smash the ball against the Chicago game. Like we saw it. We're gonna run a ball, you know, over and over again. He was not effective because we want to be a physical team. I think this team's built to be aggressive down the field. They're not built to be a physical team. The line's not that good. Ryan Robinson is a nice story. He's nothing super special. Um, Gibson, you know, kind of had his day in the, in the light. So I think if his team actually was, you know, smart, they'd spread you out and attack you. And Henneke, I think, could give you some of that because he's a little bit more athletic than Wentz when it uses his legs especially. And so I think there could be some things when it comes to McLaurin and just the point team scoring a little bit more points overall. But I can't necessarily tell you that I think the players are going to benefit. So the person, like for particularly like Dotson, so you know, due to come off soon, I think his value is tanked. I think a lot of the other, you know, deep reset threats on their receivers, other than Terry Warren, possibly, are probably just done for. All right, what do you think about someone like Logan Thomas or Curtis Samuel with uh, Heineke? Logan Thomas, especially, is really interesting because I feel like he did really well with uh, Heineke prior. Yeah, this is not. I, I referenced Cooper Rush earlier. This is not like a Dalton Schultz situation where Dalton Schultz goes to MIA as soon as Cooper Rush becomes quarterback. You know, you saw Logan Thomas was at the factor number one. That's kind of what people were frustrated with Heineke last year and McLaurin, but Logan Thomas was definitely his preferred target, and especially in the red zone. So I think he's the guy that kind of looks. You know, has some boon, but what I'm concerned right now, Adam, is we see this other around the league. You know, as offensive lines can't pass protect, tight ends stay in more and more to block, or they run shorter and shorter patterns, which I've seen a lot of, like the three-yard, four-yard pattern for the tight end. Look at Thomas isn't making a miss. He's a big, tall, strong guy. He's more attacking the seam. So what I saw last year where he was kind of getting down the field, I do worry about that's going to be something they're not really going to kind of continue to do, and that could be kind of limit his value. All right. Uh, what do we think about uh, Russell Wilson? Uh, he reportedly has a hamstring injury that he suffered in this past game. Also, it had an injury uh, in the game prior to that. So Colts game hurt uh, on Thursday night football, played last night. Monday night football uh, got the hamstring injury uh, cropping up. 
said to be, uh, you know, a, a serious enough injury that we should take this into consideration. Uh, but we haven't gotten any further details, or at least not that I've seen uh, thus far today. Uh, so what would uh, kind of your, your thought process be if we were staring down Friday, Saturday, uh, you know, and you've got some Broncos players on your team and they are, you know, not looking like they're going to play? Well, one thing is, is it wasn't necessarily, it wasn't just Friday, Saturday, you're kind of worried about. There was a lot of talk that this could be something severe that he could be shut down for a period mm-hmm. of time. Now, they did kind of reverse that, and now he's back day to day. Um, for myself, Adam, does it matter? Because, like, who's doing anything right now in Denver? Prior to last, last week, Sutton is someone that you Sutton could play yes. as a flex to wide receiver three. Not that it's someone you're, like, loving, you're playing, but you can. And so I feel like, does that really change your viewpoint? Because Cortland Sutton's a big, tall, strong guy. Probably they're going to throw the ball to somebody. Um, I think as bad as Russell Wilson playing quarterback – I don't know if you can get worse. I mean, I, I don't I you know, we saw Carolina, so we obviously you probably can, but <laughs> I don't know if you can get worse. But I mean, this team scored like with sixteen points the entire season at the most. I don't think it's had a twenty point game in what, almost two years. Well, that's right, they broke that earlier in the season. The Raiders. Uh, but yes, I brought the Raiders game. But I mean, you just played a Chargers team that is beat up defensively, is not stopping anybody for the most part defensively, and you came out there, Russell Wilson threw a buck 88. Your receivers couldn't do anything. You benched Melvin Gordon for some reason in, in, you know, in the second half. Um, Mind you against one of the worst run defenses in the league. Let's just throw that out there. And, and then gave Latavius Murray 16 carries. I mean, hey, I, I, what I feel like right now, I'm, Greg Roman kind of maybe they left the Ravens already. He's kind of stuck his way to Denver and took over that team we just don't know yet because that's what it looks like. This team it looks like they have no clue offensively. And why we're about King Portland Sutton? It's getting worse. It's not getting better. Everybody kept telling Tommy, you know, Russell, it's a hard offense to learn. And I am so tired. I heard John Elway talk about this. Different people, you know, the West Coast offense is such a hard offense. Look at, you know, look at, look at Aaron Rodgers. What happened to him? I'm going to let you guys have a real quick peek at it. I'm not going to go off too much on a tangent, but what happened Green Bay first year and Aaron Rodgers wasn't even know how to do the offense. It was he didn't want to do that offense because it was only taking, basically facing him out of the game. What you saw was a compromise in the second season. And suddenly Green Bay's offense found its life, and Aaron Rodgers was MVP the last two years. It's not the hard offense. It's the play calling. They're very conservative. People in Atlanta, what do we want to see to get who get the more of the ball? The playmakers. Look at the look at the tree, Matt LaFleur's tree. Just keep going around, and you're going to see a bunch of guys who that's the problem. They're calling plays, and they're pulling up pace, that is not prudent to put up points on the board. And they kind of got their jobs because they held a clipboard for Aaron Rodgers. And supposedly this, you know, this complicated offense is something that people can't learn. Russell Wilson can't learn. He's had three different coordinators already, the West Coast system. Bevel, um, Schottenheimer, go down the list in Seattle. So can't blame Pete Carroll. Can't blame, you know, this. I just think right now he's playing a really bad quarterback. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. 
Yeah, no, it's it's been really rough for him. And I mean, you, again, you can't blame not knowing the offense for bad ball placement. You can't blame that for not, you know, going through uh, your reads, not, you know, seeing defenders, things like that. I mean, it's one thing if you're, you know, having timing issues and, you know, maybe if you are making it, not making it to your third read, but your second, that's an issue. Um, but past Russ uh, with the injury. Well, so- and real quick, I just want to throw this out there. I don't know if everybody remembers, like Joe Flacco threw for like 400 yards. Mike White last year threw 400 yards. That offense, the Jets offense, it's the same offense. So it's not that complicated. If Mike White come off the bench and throw 400 yards. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. Uh, Josh Johnson as well. <laughs> uh, at any rate. Sorry. So the Denver Broncos, clearly we're not changing things too much if Russ does happen to be out. What about with the Steelers? Uh I know we're not super high on Kenny Pickett on this show, but I think we got really, really low with Mitchell Trubisky. So what's kind of the belief if Kenny Pickett uh, doesn't make it through concussion protocol this week? The belief is that he will, uh, but we've certainly seen, and especially with the Tua thing ongoing and everything happening in the league right now, I think teams are going to be very conservative when it comes to guys through the concussion protocol. Uh, So I don't, don't want to be shocked if Kenny Pickett doesn't play. So what's that mean for Deontay Johnson, or George Pickens, or Chase Claypool, all of those guys, uh, you know, if it's Trubisky at the helm? I think the biggest change that we were going to probably see, we have seen, is this kind of flip-flop of which receiver gets featured. You know, Pickens was kind of the preference when Pickett was out there because they kind of practiced together. It's both rookies. They've had the most snaps together. They had the most reps together, so they're kind of natural. With Trubisky, we saw, I think you're going to see, you know, more the traditional Deontay Johnson will kind of be back up the food chain. He wasn't kind of what doing he's usually doing, but he's still, people forget, had, you know, an arm issue and a shoulder issue when he came into the season. So he wasn't quite healthy or quite, you know, back yet. Um, so I think what you're going to see is kind of the more the veteran guys. Like you saw Claypool last week when Trubisky came in, had a, kind of the big game. I think that's what you're going to kind of revert, revert back to is, and then maybe you see a little bit more of like a, when Pat Vermouth is healthy again, he's kind of more involved where I think with Pickett, it was pretty much there was going to be one receiver that eats, and that was probably going to be it. Um, we're seeing something kind of similar, which we're only seeing one receiver right now, but similar in the Jets, where it's like you can't get multiple mouths to even you know, have talent. I think the quarterback play isn't kind of able to go through the progressions with Pickett, so you're going to have one of that first or second read kind of you know be featured. With Trubisky, um, the only upside thing I had I can say is maybe, and I don't hold your breath because it's just Mr. Trubisky, Maybe just maybe he has nothing to lose and he realizes like you being conservative ain't going to keep you your job because he was definitely more aggressive this past game that he came in than he had been his entire season. So that could be a hope that, you know, if he actually stops throwing four yard passes and throws some seven yard passes once in a while, it could open up a lot of things for Pittsburgh and talk about shocking. What the hell happened to Tampa Bay? Yeah, that was a wild game. Uh, definitely one that I lost some uh, betting money on. Uh, not to sure lie. Um, that was unexpected for sure. Uh, I actually wanted to circle back. We talked about it with Denver. Uh, what's up with the Melvin Gordon benching? And you know what? What do you think? Kind of is the situation here moving forward? The Denver backfield as a whole. Uh, I, I think it goes without saying that there's a strong likelihood um, that. This is it for Melvin Gordon in Denver that he's kind of, you know, moving on rather soon. It seemed certainly that way. Um, you know, he seemed shocked by, you know, what happened. 
Uh, This looks like it's going to be an exit to me uh, based on the tweets he was liking, kind of the whole situation. Uh, That being said, say we're taking Melvin Gordon out of the picture, and we'll get back to Melvin Gordon here in a moment. What do you make of Latavius Murray and Mike Boone uh, in this offense? You know, knowing that they will get volume, uh, to some extent, this is an offense that wants to run the ball. They are overly conservative, as we've kind of pointed out here. Um, you know, whether those are good carries or not, <laughs> a whole different conversation. But kind of what's the thought process when it comes to these two guys? Yeah, this is a really tough situation for me because I look at it and I just think a coach is trying to you know, find a scapegoat, so to speak. And Melvin Gordon seems to be that guy. But the problem is, is so is Mike Boone. Mike Boone only had one target. I think he had two carries. Um, but you know, Latavius Murray came in and had 15 carries of 66 yards. He said some, some New Orleans, you know, a couple weeks ago. Latavius Murray is what Latavius Murray is. I don't think he's any different than what we saw in Baltimore last year. He's big. He's slow. He can get north and south. One thing he can do is he can pass protect. Now, Melvin Gordon is typically a pretty good pass protector, but I think that could be one of the reasons that you can see more of a Mike Boone maybe, which I would take note of. As for their value – if this team is scoring touchdowns, Adam, I don't want a guy who's going to give me 50 yards at a running back. I mean, five points is five points, I guess. But I think that people are going to wind up regretting trying to target somebody in the backfield with a team that's not scoring points. And an offensive line that's not that great right now is this kind of banged up. So I don't know if, if this was a, you know, even Green Bay, we saw that Aaron Jones can't do anything right now. Like It's hard for guys to kind of eat in the backfield. When your coach doesn't call running plays consistently, and, ha- and until this past week hadn't called, like anybody hadn't had 15 carries. I mean, even Jonathan Williams, when he was healthy, hadn't had 15 carries yet. So <clears throat> I, I don't, I wouldn't hold too much stock in Latavius Murray yet. Um, and the Melvin Gordon thing, I think, is definitely interesting. You know, do they make a move? Do they kind of move on? There's a lot of rumors that he was unhappy, you know, during the whole time, during the whole season. But I can't see this team just getting go, letting go of good players in the sense where. You need to win games, and, I, and your and your system isn't the solution. So I'm really curious to see how this kind of balances out because I don't think Hack can kind of play around. I think they have to win games, Denver, or he can lose his job right off, you know, right this first season. I definitely agree with that second point. It was just very bizarre to me. Uh, you know, I, I saw, I observed the discourse over the Melvin Gordon benching, and it was really weird to me because a lot of people were bringing up. His, uh, his season yards per carry and his fumbles, which I get are bad. And I think if after one of those fumbles, if he got benched, sure, makes sense. After a game, sure, makes sense. He started this game and he didn't do anything wrong yet. I didn't see him miss any pass protection. I didn't see him fumble the ball. I think he was at a normal-ish yards per carry for the game to that point and his three carries for you know a handful of yards. It just seemed like there was an arbitrary benching that happened like in the middle of the first quarter because he didn't get benched prior to the game. He got benched during <laughs> for no particular reason. I, I digress. I know that doesn't have much to do with fantasy. It was just a really bizarre thing to to happen. Well, um, I think it is because I mean, a lot of people were excited. No, I'm not so excited. Javante Williams got hurt, but you were thinking I got back out of Melvin Gordon or even right. a Mike Boone, as you kind of alluded to. You could have two guys who might be able to eat in his backfield. Mm-hmm. And the usage has been crazy. And even the Mike Boone, Mike Boone had a nice game a couple of weeks ago. I mean, had just catching the ball out of the backfield. In a game where you couldn't move the ball, you weren't going to put the guy who catched the ball and has a little more pop than anybody else does in your running back right now. So that's that, I just don't know what they're trying to accomplish. 
the thing I think was happening is, and we've seen this other places. I want to have my player on, so I want to get you the three yards. Um, this is what Adam Gase used to do with the Frank Gore. And wherever Adam Gase kind of wound up, we went right, grinded out in Miami or grinded out in the Jets and screw up their teams. Here comes Frank Gore, and he's going to come get his three yards. I've seen something similar in the Rams with Malcolm Brown. This is things I think some teams just have that idea, like we're going to just going to get our three yards and we're going to run our play, and that's going to be good enough. And I think that they're mistaken that, you know, sometimes Melvin Gore might dance a little bit too much for you and doesn't hit the hole. Like, you're like, but you're not losing because you're in third and six or not versus third and seven. You're losing because Matt Russell can't hit people wide open. Yeah, no, uh, agreed. Uh, moving on, want to hit some of the guys who are coming back from by coming back uh, from injury. So the injury guys, that's Dak. That's uh, more than likely we'll see Tua return uh, this week. That's kind of the expectation uh, that seems to have been set. Uh, and then it was the Lions who had a bye last week and the Raiders was the other one. So kind of what's the expectation uh, for, you know, all these players that we have kind of go- coming back here? Uh, you know, I-, I know that's a general uh, question there, uh, but certainly no. – like, you know, what's the, the thought? We obviously are losing a ton to buy as well. There's a ton of you know great teams, I believe, like three or four out of the five top scoring guys in fantasy so far this season uh, are all on by this week. So I think it's going to help a lot. We actually have a matchup between Dak coming off of injury and the Detroit Lions coming off of bye, which is a, a matchup I find super fascinating. Again, Chris, what's kind of your thoughts? I think that's the most interesting thing of all of them. I mean, let's be real. We all want to know what he can do. We've seen when he's you know, on his top of his game a couple of years ago, the offense can be Michael Gallup's back, so he should have multiple weapons now that he hasn't had for a little bit. Um, having said that, I'm a little concerned possibly, and I'm curious what you think, Adam, if I'm a, a Zeke owner or I'm a C, even a C.D. Lamb owner because what I've seen is those guys were, you know, and even Pollard, they were made to be a, a key part of the offense and they were going to be featured week in week out. And it was kind of a, these are the three guys who are going to kind of eat. And we'll build around that. When dad comes back, you know, usually coaches get more confident with their, you know, their starting quarterback and start trying to get more on, on our plate. And we've seen Dak really struggle the last few years, particularly being efficient with CD lamb and getting on the same page. Um, CD lamb was kind of struggling for, you know, with him and beginning of the season, especially efficiency wise and the big play wise. CD's kind of finding his groove. Do we go back to like, you know, hey, well, yeah, by the way, it's CD Lamb, why do you get four targets this week? Because I don't know if that's going to change now that, you know, these guys are back. So that's one that I'm kind of curious about. And like I said, for Zeke, the same thing. You know, people kind of always want to bury this guy. He's run really effectively the last few weeks since he's getting stronger. He's getting better. And that Eagle defense is pretty good, guys. And he ran through that Eagle defense. So if you stop giving him the kind of, you know, 15, 20 touches he's been getting and Pollard touches, that team's been building around a run game and their defense and playing kind of accordingly. Do you come back and let Dak Prescott open it up now? The only person I think that's excited about Dak Prescott the, probably the most, and I'm, we've talked about this off the air, is Dalton Schultz. And once he gets healthy, he's probably excited. Maybe Gallup becomes more of a, of a featured possibility, but I don't know if I can make that assumption after, off a of bye when I haven't seen Dak Prescott be good in the last two years, really. Yeah, um, I think it's got, definitely going to be interesting with Dak because – he did put up decent fantasy numbers, although albeit very consist- inconsistent. He did have good counting stats last year, although he looked ugly. Uh, now, what I do find really interesting is he walks immediately into probably the best fantasy football matchup one could possibly find. Uh, if you're not necessarily a believer in the Dallas offense, this would be 
a uh, it's a good could be a good get off point, good sell high point for a lot of these guys like a CD, uh, you know, like uh, maybe not Zeke as much because this is a, a game that figures to be really good for passing. But you might be able to package a gallop after this week. Um, well, I, well, Adam, I don't know if this would be a, you know not a Zeke week. We saw Rashad Penny run for 175 yards versus defense. One thing you can do versus Detroit, you can run the ball all day. You can every do anything day. you want against Detroit. Just you can, but especially if you want to run the ball up the middle at them. So that's where I don't know if Dallas. I mean, if Dallas gets cute in this game, in a sense, that's where I like. I'm a Zeke owner. I'm. I was salivating this week for Detroit. Now I'm kind of like, do I get forgotten about? Because to me, your point. Do you think you're going to be in a shootout? And I don't get the kind of utilization where I watched Detroit week in week out. Every team has like their best running back 150 yards or so. You're one, your number one gets a like guaranteed almost. So that's where it's like I I am kind of curious to see how that unfolds. And Detroit on the other side, um, just want to you know encourage people. I know the last thing we saw was Detroit was a was a debacle in New England, and I'm just going to guys let you guys a little hint. Jared Goff sucks on the road, and he sucks outside. So the Dallas game, regardless if it's in Detroit or Dallas, it's in the dome, it's in, on turf. He's going to play much better. And don't get too discouraged by what you saw because Detroit's offense overall has probably much been the most consistent offense we've seen this entire season so far. Um, so, And they're going to get St. Brown back. They're going to get multiple weapons back. They'll have Swift healthy again. So don't forget about Detroit. Talk about a team that, you know, kind of weapons are bringing forgotten about. We'll get to our, some of our guys' ads and drops and stuff like that. But Detroit's team, I think, is, you know, don't forget about what they were doing offensively. No, absolutely. A hundred percent agreed there. Finally, last thing I want to get to uh, is some spots that we might like to, and I just want to spitball here a little bit. I uh, might like to see guys like uh, Melvin Gordon, for instance, if he ended up on the move, uh, Cam Akers. Uh, and then there's the big one, Christian McCaffrey, as the Carolina offense is has become potentially the worst offense I've seen in a decent little bit. I mean... Wilkes, woo! Told you guys, I warned you last week. Yes, yes. I mean, it has become very difficult to watch. P.J. Walker, uh, for those of you who haven't seen the next-gen stats yet, and I'm sure if you're on social media at all in in the NFL sphere, as you will, P.J. Walker had one completion ahead of the line of scrimmage. One. Yeah, I think P.J. Moore had... Four or five catches for seven yards, I think it was, something crazy like that. Yes. I mean, Christian McCaffrey did everything he could to move the ball. Uh, It was fun for me to watch him, uh, but seeing anyone attempt to get the ball into his hands, whether it was Jacob Eason or P.J. Walker, my my two long-forgotten garbage Colts backup quarterbacks, uh, either both of them were hard for me to watch. Uh, Yeah. So would love to see CMC off. But anyways, tangent aside, where would you like to see these running backs kind of if you got to, to pick a spot? I, I, we talked off the air a little bit last time about CMC specifically. Uh, we haven't talked about Gordon or the Acres news, which kind of came up over uh, you know the end of last week that it was likely that he may get moved as they're kind of having conversations about his future with the team. An easy fit for either one, and if I'm the team, I prefer Cam Akers, and I kind of like the long-term fit possibly better for him as well. Um, I, I think the Eagles is a good option for both those guys. And Miles Sanders is still the most durable guy. I'm, I'm tired of seeing Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott, so they can go away now as a team that could be a Super Bowl contending team. What they kind of are is they don't really have a physical back necessarily, especially as it gets colder in the NFC East. Some of those games, you have a good physical quarterback, 
Miles Sanders has got that great speed. They could probably be balanced off with some guy who can kind of hammer it between the tackles and make some stuff, you know, kind of balance it out. We saw Jordan Howard be pretty effective in that role a couple of years ago. Um, so I think Melvin Gordon fits in the sense that if he's, he's a good, you know, retron, he pass protects, he can kind of do the little things. I like Akers' fit better because I think Akers, when it comes to what he can actually you know, be long-term, Sanders' is last year of his deal, Akers is a north-south runner. I don't think this offense has really seen what this offense could be potentially with a north-south runner. And what I mean by that is, like, you know, look what Gus Edwards can do with the Ravens when he's healthy and J.K. Dobbins. So you have the guys who can attack the edge like Miles Sanders can do, but you really don't have teams really being bludgeoned up the middle. And when you have a quarterback who's mobile and a good offensive line, the Eagles do, if you have that, you know, kind of smash-mouth quarter uh, running back, it's hard for teams to stop giving you that four or five yards first down every time. Um, so I think one of those guys could definitely be a good fit for Philadelphia. No, uh, 100% agreed Philadelphia would be a great spot for one of these running backs. I think that's a really good point. Um, all right, guys. Uh, as you know, we're going to get into some uh, – so, Throw one more out there for you real quick, Aaron. Yeah. Arizona is a good fit. I mean, another offense I complained about, but James Conner's done, guys. Let's get it over with. And I like I like you know Benjamin, but that's not anybody special. So they could definitely you know do an upgrade. If they're going to make a Rodney Anderson trade, why not get a running back too? Yeah, no, 100% agreed, especially I think someone like uh, Cam Akers would be such a perfect fit, unfortunately, in the division, uh, which sucks. Uh, But again, guys, uh, we're going to get into our transactions. We'll hit quarterbacks first uh, for streamers, defense for streamers, and then we'll get into uh, some guys you can get on the waiver wire, some guys that you can maybe buy or sell. Um, We'll hit you with some tips after that. First comes first, though, we're going to hear a word from our sponsor, True Classic. Football is back, baby, and our new sponsor, True Classic, wants you to look and feel your best even after a couple of brewskis or going full force on your fantasy football draft. Sure, it's football season, but it's also butt-to-couch season. Luckily, True Classic has the absolute best-fitting clothing a man can buy. Snug in the arms and chest with a little extra space in the torso, their t-shirts are designed to keep you cozy and highlight your best assets no matter what you're up to. So if your special someone is upset that you're watching football all day, at least you can look good doing it. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men find the perfect fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at trueclassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six-packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. True Classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. It's about time to get your fit together, so upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at trueclassic.com with promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. If there's one bet you should make this football season, it's on True Classic. True Classic, look good, feel good. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. 
Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Welcome back. Thank you so much to True Classic for sponsoring the show. We definitely appreciate it. Like I said, we're going to get right into some quarterback streaming options. Some guys who you could potentially pick up off waivers for a spot start. As again, there's a lot of good teams, a lot of good players on by this week. Uh, so definitely, you know, need to to watch out for guys that you can get on waivers. Um, so yeah, we're going to jump right into that with Matt Ryan against Tennessee. Uh, we have a kind of a rerun. We've seen, excuse me, this game before Matt Ryan had about just under 20 points, uh, over 300 yards, a couple touchdowns against Tennessee last time. Um, we saw some promising things out of this offense this past week. Uh, I wouldn't expect that to necessarily continue at the same rate that it did. Uh, but there's some things that could last. This is a different offensive line rotation than they've used in the past. Uh, they're continuing to move things around, and things got definitely a lot better as far as uh, the offensive line was concerned. Matt Ryan wasn't sacked this past game, actually, uh, so that was a pretty big step forward. Matt Pryor did still look awful at guard, uh, so some interior pressure is still very, very possible, uh, but definitely a step forward overall. And the big thing that I think is big, uh, if you want to spot start Matt Ryan this week, is that the amount of no huddle that Indianapolis used this week went up tenfold. Literally, it had been 5% uh, through the season uh, prior to this past week, and it was half of plays, um, you know, this past game. They were using a lot of no huddle, a lot of pace, kind of one of the things we talked about. Um, So definitely promising if you want to see Matt Ryan score some points. Also seeing more and more of the tight ends get involved. Uh, and the receivers, Alec Pierce and Michael Pittman, have both looked good. We finally saw Paris Campbell show up and play some football this past week. Uh, so definitely uh, Matt Ryan, I think, is in a good spot for a spot start. Daniel Jones versus Baltimore. Uh, sorry, Daniel Jones. We have uh, Jacoby Brissett versus Baltimore. My bad, Daniel Jones was last week. Daniel Jones versus the Jaguars. Uh, we have just saw. The Indianapolis Colts beat up the Jaguars to kind of have that uh, blueprint to success. The Jaguars are on an ugly two-game AFC South uh, little skid that they are on right now after getting kind of beat up uh, by the Houston Texans. Uh, and this is a game where, you know, the Giants are going to be able to run. The Giants are going to be, I think, uh, the Giants' defense matches up really, really well against the Jaguars. So if the Giants offense is actually not in a position where the run is getting stuffed and they have to put things on uh, Saquon's plate, I think that actually benefits Daniel Jones. And I think they might get some short fields uh, with both of those things. I think that you could see Daniel Jones, you know, get in the end zone once or twice, whether passing or on his own. I don't think he necessarily has a crazy high ceiling. I don't expect him to, you know, break past 20, or at least if he does, not by much. But I do think you can get, uh, you know, a winnable, a survivable enough points out of him. And again, with all the buys this week, that's kind of what you're looking to do. And that's what we're looking to do with Jacoby Brissett as well. That's who's actually playing Baltimore. Um, 
And he has consistently, other than this past week, kind of been in the high teens whenever he's played anyone. Uh, this isn't a bad matchup, especially considering what this offense has done when Donovan Peoples-Jones has been kind of one of the featured pieces. This is a week that Marlon Humphreys has actually played like one of the best corners in the NFL again recently. The problem is the rest of the Baltimore defense hasn't uh, has been inconsistent. It hasn't been bad, but it's been inconsistent. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, I think, uh, could have a big week this week with Brissett while Amari Cooper and Marlon Humphrey uh, kind of go head-to-head a lot of the times. I think you'll, you know, you'll see some varied matchups, but I think that will be a, a big theme of the day. Amari Cooper might not have as big of a day as he has uh, the last month or so. Uh, but those last two, I think you can get 15 points out of. I think Matt Ryan could actually give you a genuine uh, you know, top eight starter uh, kind of week this week against Tennessee. If you assume a little bit of a uh, improvement from the last Tennessee outing, which was already a decent enough spot start. Yeah. And when we get to my list, I have Matt Ryan on my list and I'm going to defer to you on that one, Adam, because I am not feeling good about it. Um, I'm going more off this year idea that there's been nothing but volume. You know, as you talked about, they wouldn't know how to this past week. It definitely had more production in the passing attack. They were spreading the ball around. Um, so, you know, look at the different matchup for Tennessee versus the secondary. You definitely can score on it and move the ball on. But it's, these games tend to be ugly between these two teams. So I'm kind of also nervous about that. And I feel like every time I feel like, you know, this, I feel like if the Colts offense is going to be, uh, they tend to surprise me the following week. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to see. So I'll defer to you on that, like I said. Marcus Mariota is the guy that, you know, people were definitely down on the first couple, last couple of weeks. Um, but one of the things you saw this past week, is even when he's not completing lots of passes, he still runs. And we all know what the cheat code in football is, is running. And he talked about having a good floor. I'm not loving a lot of guys' ceilings this week. I'm not loving a lot of matchups that are kind of available. But what you usually want is a guy's a good floor. You talk about Daniel Jones has good legs. You can because you a good floor as a result of that. Marcus Mariota is a guy that can give you some good legs. And I think Atlanta's going to continue to kind of, you know, find itself. One thing I'm a little hopeful for, and it's kind of a note for just the future, you know, we, I talked about the Ravens earlier about what they could do if they were actually a run for, for a team first and then kind of use the pass attack after that. Atlanta's kind of been establishing that they're going to be a, a hard physical team. They still have a lot of playmakers, so when they kind of drop the shoe maybe you know, later this season, you might see a good boom out of Atlanta. Um, and then finally, Jared Goff talked about him you know, a little bit before, but the Detroit's offense are coming back. I know he had, like I said, he had a poor, poor game in New England. Um, but guess what, guys? Almost every good quarterback's had a poor, poor game the last couple of weeks, uh, the whole season. One of the few guys who's been pretty consistently getting you a high upside most or, or giving you guy opportunity to get, you know, several, 33 touchdowns or 300 yards. So Jared Goff's the guy versus Dallas. And Dallas' defense is very, um, very good and is able to kind of get you know, pressure. It doesn't hurt his passing volume. So they get lots of sacks in third and 17. So what? Jared Goff will keep firing it all day long. We know this team will not stop passing the ball. So I like Jared Goff's nice you know, option this week for, um, you know, points versus Dallas. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that. Those are all all good options. Of course, Marcus Mariota, Jared Goff have both been uh, some great spot starters throughout this year. So definitely, uh, you know, good guys to kind of have in the fold just because they, they've kind of shown you what you need to see so far. On to the defensive uh, category, though. Yeah, kicking off the, you know, the Patriots defense. Part of the reason some of you know, these teams didn't look so good is the Patriots defense is starting to get better. And with the identity, whether it's going to be um, – Slash Zappy, or it's going to be uh, Matt Jones. They're going to be continue to be a run team, and their defense was supposed to be good this year. The offense had a lot of question marks about it. I know they lost J.C. Jackson, who by the way got benched in the Chargers, so they're doing okay in New England defensively, and they've been playing you know better and better. Used to season as the season progresses, they tend to get better too. The Patriots' defense, I think you have this week, 
and has been showing you, you know, why over the last couple of weeks. Um, as that Colts offense has kind of, you know, been less putrid, even it was putrid, with or without Leonard, preferably with Leonard, the Colts defense has shown considerable improvements since those first several weeks. They're not hemorrhaging points in the middle. They're actually kind of keeping guys in front of them. The team tackles well. And the biggest thing you see right now is they're getting able to kind of, you know, stop, uh, just dominate the line of scrimmage with Buckner and kind of their bigs in the middle. Um, I think this Colts defense is going to be able to kind of, you know, take a Tennessee team that's already struggled to you know, put points on the board as it was. Um, we talked about these games, particularly they can be rather ugly at times. So I think the Colts defense is a, a nice option versus the Tennessee offense that hasn't really found itself. If you can, you know, tackle Derrick Henry, which the Colts do usually a pretty good job of kind of containing him, usually the, there's very little else the Titans can do, especially with, you know, Burks isn't back anytime soon. And then finally, the Jets. You know, we keep waiting for this other shoe to drop in a sense. We, what happened to Aaron Rodgers? What happened to these different guys? What happened? And the Jets' defense seems to be happening. They continue to get four or five sacks a game. They're getting pressures. You know, we already have kind of a, a mini Revis Island. Um, and Strauss Gardner is basically not seeing anybody try to attack him. So he's been basically shutting it down. And on offense, they're running the ball so much that that defense isn't out there very much. And then when they get the lead, the defense is to kind of put his ears back and get a pass rush. Now, Johnson's getting kind of more you know, more rotation opportunities that they drafted out of Florida State. Um, this defensive line is pretty good for these Jets, and they expected them to kind of be better this year. So they kind of were underachieving to begin the season. Jets are kind of finding their groove. Nice matchup again this week. Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, I, I think these are all, first of all, really talented defenses, really good defenses. Uh, and, and I think that's just kind of valuable in and of itself. So definitely uh, love to see that. Uh, I went for some defenses that you will definitely be able to find on the waiver wire. Um, <laughs> the Raiders are the first one. I think it's an interesting one. Uh, the reason I like this spot, uh, the Raiders defense is not that great. However, the one thing that they can actually do really well and the only team that has been able to uh, kind of attack them in this spot is the Chiefs, who are just a behemoth of a team kind of as a general statement, uh, is stopping the run conversely the Raiders play Houston this week Houston can only run the ball that is the only thing that they are effective at doing I think that this is very likely to be a low scoring affair uh with the Raiders again being a top half of the league uh if not you know top 10 run stopping unit by the season's end um you know they might give up a lot in the passing game but especially you know when it comes to big plays but if I'm a defense you know going up against davis mills and the houston texans i want to make davis mills try to throw beat me hey davis mills make the big play i'll see it when i believe it so i think as someone kind of targeting uh a defense and i'm actually kind of interested in again even though they are uh you know not the best as far as fantasy scoring so far this season i want to see davis mills throw the ball deep because that's what the raiders let up and I honestly don't know if Davis Mills is capable of exploiting the weakness of the Raiders. Um, moving on, we have the Giants, who uh, Wink has done a fantastic job with this unit. They've been really, really good so far this year. They've got the Jaguars this year. We or this week we've talked about Daniel Jones already on the quarterback list. Um, again, this is uh, a, a team that has been pressured really bad. If you get them off the run game. I think what we've seen so far this season is that Trevor Lawrence will look fine if he he can chill if 
the run game's going. He can kind of, you know, stay in the flow of the offense. But if you're forcing him to play ball, uh, he's struggling. He really is. And I think that this is a defense that's competent enough to uh, recognize that. And, um, you know, they have been just out of a top 12 scoring defense and a standard uh, defensive scoring on ESPN. The Giants have. Uh, and I think this is an opportunity for them to kind of sneak back into that top 12 because uh, they've been kind of cooking the last few weeks. So definitely the Giants are one to pick up and one that, I mean, I, I think they've been kind of hurt just due to the strength of their schedule so far, which is, you know, first of all, props for the Giants being kind of where they are so far. Um, but I do think that the turnovers are kind of coming for them, you know, while the the points have been relatively low. Finally, we have the Chiefs. And the Chiefs are another one where the, the schedule has been really weird to them. Um, you know, they haven't had a good fantasy outing for the past three weeks, but during that three weeks, they played the Bills, the Buccaneers, and the Raiders, who are all uh, passing attacks with a decent amount of weapons. Now, the Bucks had their injury problems at the time, um, but nonetheless, uh, they haven't been playing kind of slouches, and the last time that they did kind of get these teams that are weaker, uh, like uh, I believe the Broncos and the 49ers, they were a 10-plus point uh, defense earlier this season. They have had a turnover in every single game so far this season. They have had uh, two or more sacks in four out of six games this season. The Chiefs defense isn't bad. They've just had some difficult matchups. And against the 49ers, uh, this is a team that the offense hasn't necessarily been going all that great. Um, you know, they haven't been scoring a ton of points. So with virtue of that in and of itself, uh, you kind of, you know, have have the issue of uh or not an issue you kind of have a decent floor you know that they're not going to drop any more than 20 low 20s uh at best then you add a turnover which again the chiefs have in every single game so far this season and you add a two sacks which are more often than not what the chiefs get probably find yourself with a pretty decent fantasy uh showing uh, especially if they're able to get a little bit more in this offensive line for the 49ers isn't really that great. Uh, So I think you could end up with closer to three or four sacks, which again, the Chiefs have done this season. Um, This is a good defense. It's just one that's had a lot of tough matchups kind of back to back to back. Uh, So one that, you know, not worth forgetting about. They're playable in particular matchups. I think this is one of them. Yeah, I love the Giants thing. I think the one thing that Trevor Lawrence has definitely struggled with in his young career is the blitz. We know Wink loves to bring the house. He also loves to disguise his coverages. Trevor Lawrence isn't the greatest at reading coverages. The only good thing that can kind of good work for him is Doug Peterson can be really good at kind of the short passing attack and taking advantage of some of those aggressive defenses. So I think it's going to depend on Trevor Lawrence kind of make the throws that he has. The Chiefs defense has been interesting. You talked about the tough matchups. They also have had kind of banged up secondary. They're you know in the third, fourth corner right now. That's kind of where they've been hurting. They're getting healthier in a secondary. And as you kind of alluded to, they're not a bad defense. You can run the ball on them, so it's going to be interesting to see can the 49ers, you know, will their running attack kind of open up more points for the Chiefs, or is it kind of keep the score lower, and you kind of alluded to it keeps them in the 20s, and then you can kind of have the opportunity to get the turnovers that you've gotten all season long. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's kind of an allocation of resources for them. I think their defensive coaching staff has done a pretty good job, all things considered. Uh, I, I think it's also worth pointing out, I think they've only gone above 30 points allowed once this season. Uh, I'm not 100% on that, but I'm pretty sure it's been almost all in the 20s. Um, But with that in mind, 
uh, early on in the season, the run defense actually had played pretty well. It's kind of as uh, the secondary has thinned out, they've had to kind of pull resources away from kind of up front to helping that run defense because it's not naturally very good. They were using their linebackers and, uh, you know, nickel guys to kind of help out in that area. Uh, they've had to pull that back to the secondary. So as that secondary does get a little healthier, healthier, I think you will kind of see the run defense, uh, you know, get a little better, um, hopefully at least. Um, nonetheless, uh, we are going to be on to some waivers, uh, some buys, some sells, some trades, all of that fun stuff. Before we do that, we're going to get a quick word from our sponsor in Manscaped. Football is back, baby. We're back to seeing Mahomes sling beautiful balls all over the field, and your friends at Manscaped are here to help you sling your beautiful balls all season long. With Manscaped's state-of-the-art tech, we'll have your weapon looking more loaded than the AFC West. Football may be rough, but your ball care doesn't have to be with Manscaped. Join the 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Meet the best valued bundle yet for the Manscaped Pocket Rockets, the Platinum Package. At quarterback, the Lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer, a wily vet who makes sure the unit is running smoothly and scoring nonstop with proprietary advanced skin safe technology. The lawnmower limits mistakes and protects the ball. Plus, it's waterproof, so the weather conditions are no issue. At running back, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, built to bust through all the right holes. A hairless nostril just helps it keep a nose for the end zone. On the offensive line, we have our unsung heroes, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodor and the Crop Reviver Ball Toner, the Trent Williams and Corey Lindsley of Sack Protection. Standing strong to keep your boys fresh and clean through all four quarters. Add wide out, the cleanest duo in the league. The ultra premium body wash and ultra premium two-in-one shampoo plus conditioner. With their rugged scent, they attract both the ball and all the ladies in the crowd. Plus, these two leave your skin and scalp feeling more hydrated. That means more plays on the field and less water breaks. At tight end, the product makes your end look tight. Manscaped's anti-chafing boxer briefs, a dedicated jewel pouch to increase ball handling, and a cool, steady vibe thanks to their moisture-wicking fabric. On defense, there's only one thing you need, the aluminum-free ultra-premium deodorant. With refined cologne, quality fragrance, it keeps sweat and locker room scents from making any ground. Plus, it dries clear so the opponent won't even know what hit them. To top it all off, we throw in the best coach in the league, the Shred Travel Bag, as a free bonus. Built to hold the team together, this travel size bag has a fumble-resistant zipper. This has got to be a Super Bowl-winning roster, but don't take my word for it. Go to Manscaped.com and get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. That's 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped.com when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Manscaped for turning your player into an MVP. And we are back. Like I said, we're going to get into uh, some transactions, uh, some, you know, ads, uh, some, you know, waiver wire pickups, some buys, some sells, what not. Uh, we're going to start off with Chris here. You had a list of quarterbacks. I don't know if you uh, have yeah, that in front of you, but if not, so, it, 
Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. So I said, basically, at a quarterback, we talked about a lot in this show about Geno Smith and, and Jared Goff and Marcus Mariota this entire season. And I think it's time to add at least one of those guys to your roster. I know one of our you know things we like to do on this show is talk about a streamer for the week. This is not the season, in my opinion, to be messing around with streamers. As you see, quarterbacks are kind of not producing at the rate you expect them to. I heard somebody kind of questioning, is Lamar Jackson still a top-tier quarterback? Well, if he is not, then who the hell is? Because right now, him and Josh Allen are the only thing you're basically hopeful of getting you know, 25 or more points right now week to week. Some guys aren't even getting close to that, especially from the bigger-name guys. So instead of worrying about what Russell Wilson's going to do or Tom Brady's going to do or some of the other guys are going to do or Kyler Murray's going to do, have some options there just in case so you don't, you know, as the season progresses, you continue to have they could find their they could find their way they could get back in a groove. Don't let somebody else take advantage of the quarterbacks available to them. They could beat you in the meantime. And then the other one we talked about earlier: Detroit coming back off a bye. Um, this offense definitely was moving the ball, and probably one of the few offenses that a second receiver was pretty consistently eating week in and week out. Whether it was DJ Shark or Josh Reynolds, you know that was whoever was kind of out there as that second receiver. St. Brown got his, but that second receiver still got theirs. So I, I suggest whether it's Sharker and Reynolds, who's going to be more of a healthier guy coming out of the bye, adding one of those guys as a possible option if they're a waiver option. Um, a lot of teams might drop some of those guys, especially Shark, over the last few weeks because they're trying to get through their own you know buys and stuff like that. So some of those guys I think should be out there and the teams to add. I talked about the last couple of weeks, Taysom Hill. Um, seems to be a guy that does everything as long as he listed as a tight end. We talked about tight ends right before you're not getting a whole lot after those top, you know, two or three. Maybe Zach Ertz is throwing that list, but what we do see Taysom Hill getting involved in all kinds of different ways. He's got one of the bigger boom opportunities than any tight end you could probably have in your lineup. And as long as he's healthy, there's going to be a role. Whether it's Jameis, whether it's Dalton, from what I understand, they don't care. He's going to have a role as long as he's healthy. So Taysom Hill's a guy to have on your team as an option, especially tight end leagues. Uh, and the last two are the Arizona Cardinals. Look, I'm not huge, and I don't think that's going to turn the season around. But they do have opportunities. Eno Benjamin looks more explosive than James Conner has this entire season in my book. Um, and he actually has thrown the ball, so he has some value there. And then Rodney Anderson is fast. Marquise Brown was getting a lot of targets. He was eating a lot of things. You got Hopkins coming off back playing football. Hasn't played, what, six, seven, eight weeks now. Wasn't around for camp either. Um, got banged up last year. So we don't really know what Hopkins is going to come back and necessarily be right off the bat. We know Ronald Moore is kind of still getting his legs back. A.G. Green's done. So why not Rodney Anderson is a possible option to, because we've seen this happen in Arizona before. Whoever gets thrown out there can become an option. Rodney Anderson is a guy that you, know, you can maybe add. There's not a whole lot of slim pickings, but Adam, what do you have on your list? Yeah, no, those are good. Uh, you know, definitely. Taysom Mill is an interesting one, especially because I think the usage this past week was encouraging, uh, but it didn't show up in the stat sheet. So any of the guys who rushed to grab him last week might have kind of dropped him in frustration. So definitely not only – uh, check for him, you know, now, like before this first round of waivers. But as much as we stressed it last week where these next couple weeks need to be checking, uh, you know, after waivers run to see who gets dropped for this new batch of guys, he's a guy who I would especially be looking for because I bet you'll find him in a couple spots. Um, 
So yeah, definitely love seeing him there. Uh, on to some of these other guys. I'm going to have you add Wandale Robinson if he's available. He is in less than half of uh, redraft sleeper leagues, ESPN leagues, et cetera. Uh, and it's kind of wild uh, how. I mean, I guess I know how. It's because he's been hurt for so long. Uh, but we've been saying for a while now that you need to get your hands on him before it's too late. You know, he's not the most interesting talent. I didn't have him super ranked high coming into the draft. Chris, I don't think you did either. However, if you're going to be a slot receiver in a Dable system, then you're, there's going to get value. You already got a touchdown this past week, and you're not even running like 50% of the snaps yet just because they're ramping you up because you haven't been healthy and because you're a first-year player. Uh, when you're an 80-90% player, like you're bound to be because this receiver core is gross. It's disgusting. Uh, you know, Eventually, you're going to be that 80-90% guy, and once that happens, uh, Wanda Robinson is going to get a lot of volume. And the one thing I can know really say about him he's someone who look if you dump it off to him for three yards he has the ability to take it to the house at any time he is a great athlete he has quick feet he is uh you know quick laterally he is fast he you know he's definitely an explosive athlete uh you know questions about the hands questions about the route running aside once he's got the ball in his hands like look out for this dude for sure um there's not a lot of positive things to say about the denver offense but greg dulcich uh to me it was intriguing First game, first touchdown. Uh, another guy played around 50% of the snaps who had been hurt for a while uh, and, you know, only, you know, got the snap count essentially because he's a rookie and also, you know, had been hurt kind of getting eased in here. Um, but this is a t- an offense that has been very reliant on the tight end position, but there's been a lot of switching up at the position. This staff brought him in for a reason, Greg Dulcich. Uh, I think as a rookie, he could be an intriguing tight end here in the backstretch. Um, you know, again, I, they brought him in, and this is the tight end position is on the field all the time for the Denver Broncos. Uh, I think he can grow into position. Uh, DJ Chark, uh, you already talked about the Detroit Lions uh, wide receivers, so I'm not going to go too crazy into it, but DJ Chark is kind of my preferred option for that. I do have Reynolds in spots, though, um, so definitely uh, agree with Chris. Get both of those guys, or one or the other, if you're able to. But if you're in a lot of leagues like me, get both uh, if you per- if you can. Yeah, I think uh, Sharks finally, is definitely the only one you prefer to get. Sorry, guys, Adam. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Kate Otten is the other one. We had that scary injury uh, for Bray on the Buccaneers game. Uh, it, it looks not as bad as it looked on the field at the time, but I would be shocked if they try to Cameron Bray right back out there. Because it feels a lot like it could have uh, could have been, uh, you know, a, a redo of the Tua situation where Brait cleared concussion protocol. He had missed a game, granted, but cleared concussion protocol, came back and had a terrifying, uh, you know, neck back type injury. Um, so Cameron, I would be shocked to see Cameron Brait this coming uh, playing this upcoming week again. Uh, I think because of the Tua thing, the league is the you know, teams in the league are going to be pretty conservative when it comes to this type of, you know, neck, back, head injury. Uh, so with that, we've already seen Kate Otten in relief duty for a game and then two half games so far. He's looked pretty good, a rookie that both of us liked a lot coming in. So if he gets a full start, I'm all interested. Tom Brady has given a lot of volume to tight ends over his uh, long, illustrious career. Uh, so I don't see it'll be any different for Kate Otten. And again, he's someone who's uh, snap percentage had been going up 
incrementally every single week anyways. I think he's bound to take over this role as the full-time starter over Brait at some point, whether it's the end of this year or the beginning of next. Uh, I think Kate Otten's kind of on his way regardless. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think he's a, a good enough player that can kind of jump right into your lineup at the, this very scarce tight end position. Finally, Tyler Lockett. Uh, I've said this on the show, I believe, already. I think he is much more consistent with Geno Smith. He's kind of boomed in four out of six games here. And honestly, this year, I mean, people are just going to look at Tyler Lockett's kind of line for this year. And, uh, oh, it's the same old Tyler Lockett. He's boom or bust, blah, blah, blah. First of all, again, it's been four out of six. Uh, the, the two busts have been big busts. But look at any of the other major receivers who aren't in the Stephon Diggs, you know, pretty much just the Stephon Diggs category. Uh, or Cooper Cup, mind you, the other one. Uh, Cooper Cup, Stephon Diggs, you know, a couple other guys. Yeah, they're startable every week. Otherwise, the way offenses are running, again, we're down 20% in touchdowns. Scoring isn't like it's been like ever in recent memory. If you've got a guy that has a 20, 25-point ceiling and hits it four out of six times, you should be starting Tyler Lockett, and you should be wanting to get Tyler Lockett. So if someone's got Tyler Lockett PTSD from uh, him burning them a couple times or, you know, being afraid to play him, go get Tyler Lockett because he is a great uh, high-end wide receiver three to wide receiver two that has crazy upside, will finish as a top 12 wide receiver uh, a decent amount of the time. But you can get him at a a pretty decent discount right now. Uh, So all in on getting Tyler Lockett at value right now, whether that's dynasty or redraft, I don't really care. I think he's a really good value right now. I love it. Cool, cool. All right. Uh, you know what we do here. Uh, we finish this off with a bit of a, a general tip, a general kind of theme that we're kind of thinking about, kind of focusing on uh, throughout the upcoming week. So, Chris, what do you got for us this week? So, I love Adam's suggestions. And the one guy that's probably the only exception of you know this team that I'm thinking of, the Greg Dulich, I do think has a role possibly for this team moving forward. As you kind of alluded to, the coaching staff obviously wanted to play on. They made Albert O inactive immediately once Dolis returned. So it it shows you kind of where everybody stands. And as we saw, this team is willing to play the guys that they want to, Latavius Murray, AK. So Greg Dolis is probably one of the guys that you want to have on your radar. It's a great point. But I'm usually a pretty patient guy, Adam. And I'm not usually a panic mode guy. But there is a team, and possibly a second team, that's got me really thinking it's time to just sell, sell, sell it. And that's that Denver team in particular. Dulish maybe can eat, no matter who the quarterback kind of is, whether it's Rusty throws a tight end, usually a backup throws a tight end. But everybody else, we saw Jerry Judy have a great game one, has done nothing. Handler's been open. The, the handler we've been waiting to kind of have a chance to explode, has a chance to explode, he just can get the ball to him. Um, the running game... You were excited about starting Melvin Gordon this week. He's benched by halftime. You had Mike Boone on your team. You saw him going to eat, you know, 80, 90 yards total last week. He had two yards this past week. So I don't know how you can confidently play anybody on Denver. And then Cortland Sutton might have been that guy. But I even him I worried about when I started seeing that he's declining in production. And he wasn't really scoring touchdowns yet. So if he's not going to get yards too and you're not scoring touchdowns, what can you start with confidence in Denver? So for right now, for me, I think Adam, and maybe you can talk about the ledge, I'm panicking in Denver, and I'm trying to get rid of my guys this season to upgrade. I mean, not in Dynasty Leagues, that's you know, what you do kind of handle more so, but I think I'm for sure 
had a lot of hope for this team and still kind of had hope they may have turned the corner. But with Russ's, you know, quote unquote injuries, I think it's the ego thing. I don't know when this kind of you know clicks for them. And do you keep throwing some of these guys in your lineups when you don't? The coaching staff's going to do for week to week, but they could bench your guy just because they don't like him for some reason. Yeah. Um, so I think that's something I I am definitely concerned about. And the team that's you know teetering on that thing, and I'm not going to get too much into it. I think Arizona is getting really close to that. I mean, we kind of live it off of Calabari's past. We live it off Kingsbury's past. That offense has done nothing this season. Nothing. And they're not playing with pace. They've picked up a little bit more. But with the injury to Marquise Brown, I don't know how talented this team really is going to be. Their offensive line is already getting more banged up. It wasn't that good to begin with. And if Kyler's not being Kyler Murray particularly running around, then they're not going to see that guy either. So then what are you confident to play other than maybe like that slot receiver in a full-point PPR league? Because I don't know what else you're going to kind of get week for week. And maybe Zach Ertz, like I said. So that's the two guys, two teams I'm kind of like, I'm getting ready to jump off a cliff. Denver for sure. Arizona, I'm not really quite sure, but I'm getting close. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think if there's something you can get for some of those guys, I, I definitely agree. Uh, Sutton, I think I'd want to hold on to. I think he can kind of get his value back, although I will say it's not happening until after the the uh, Jets game. I mean, it's it, when he ends up, uh, you know, both of those corners on the outside, we haven't talked about, I believe Reed is the other one on the outside. Both outside corners for the Jets have been pretty locked up. I mean, Sauce Gardner has been the better one, and he's the rookie, the highly touted rookie, so he's the one we talk about more. But uh, outside receivers haven't done anything against the New York Jets this season. So, uh, you know, it won't be happening next week against the Broncos, uh, I will, or against the Jets uh, for Sutton. So I, I think he could turn it around. Uh, but, man, I'm not holding out much breath for really anyone else. I mean, it's. I think, you know, if you've got a high waiver, you may as well go get a Latavius Murray or whoever you think is going to start in this backfield. But if anything, I think they're kind of trade fodder immediately uh, if you are able to get them because I think there is a perception that the Broncos running back, whoever it is, as the primary starter is going to have value. And I don't know if I necessarily agree. I think I'm with you. It's kind of you know, one of these guys the fantasy community loves to hate on, but when, once it comes midseason and everyone's scrambling for running backs is – falling in love with, but it's the guy that is, yeah, they'll get 15, 20 carries, but they won't get touchdowns. They won't get receptions. And we're supposed to be okay with that for some reason, because we got the mid season and not in the draft time. And he's um, not going to get 15, 20 carries very long. Cause this guy's still old. Don't forget that. So he can do it for a limited period of time. We saw them, you know, the Ravens didn't give him 15, 20 carries a game. He hasn't done that for a long, long time in his career. Yeah. Um, yeah. So definitely agreed with your take there. Uh, holding out a little bit longer on the the Cardinals, but kind of like you said, uh, there's only so much you can do. Hopefully Hopkins can turn this one around. Um, but we'll see wide receivers typically aren't able to turn around an offense by themselves. But we're holding out hope because I'd love to see that offense do well. They have a lot of fun weapons on it. Uh, my kind of theme that I wanted to get into is kind of the – I think it goes along pretty well with what we were just talking about, especially what I was just talking about Um with the Jets and Cortland Sutton and why, you know, I don't think that we'll see Cortland Sutton kind of turn it around this upcoming week. And that's, I think we're deep enough in the season where we don't know everything. We don't know everything yet. We're not like locked into, you know, what, how good, how great, you know, every team is teams are still going to evolve. Kind of, we talked about new England, uh, you know, they get better throughout the year, but I think we're starting to learn what our matchups are. What are the matchups we want to target? And I know we've known a couple for a while. So we've known, Seattle is a defense that we want to target. We want to play guys 
against Seattle. Um, they're an interesting one. Um, sorry, not Seattle. But Seattle is a defense we want to play guys against. Detroit is a defense we want to play guys against. Um, and then there's the opposite of that. There's the Jets, uh, who outside guys, not looking that great. The Eagles, outside guys, not looking that great. Both of those teams, if you're starting guys, you might be able to get away with it running back, slot receiver, tight end. But man, starting guys on the outside is going to be tough against either of those teams. Um, we know we don't want to start a wide receiver one against the Broncos right now. Pastor Tan is trailing wide receiver ones. He's been on, you know, Mike Will was getting smothered uh, yesterday. And Pastor Tan's been on guys like that. You know, he was on uh, Pittman when we played them. Uh, you know, it, it's been like that. So, I, and there's plenty of other matchups like that. We know the Chargers against the running game. Uh, that's another one to throw in there. Uh, but again, we're starting to know what these matchups are. The Colts versus tight ends. Um you know, there's plenty of them. But again, and knowing what these matchups are can definitely help you find uh, some flex guys because there's a couple of these where the Broncos are actually a perfect example. Uh, I know I don't want to target uh, the wide receiver one in that game. Pretty much anyone else is fair game. This isn't a defense that's like crazy lockdown, but Sertan is. But a wide receiver two, wide receiver three, they might actually get added volume. We saw Josh Palmer get peppered with targets. Uh, this past week, we saw, uh, you know, I forget uh, the young undrafted guy's name. Uh, we saw him get a decent amount of run uh, this past week for the Chargers. Uh, you know, so, you know, knowing what this can mean for certain weeks, I, I think definitely can give you an edge on, especially when it comes to fringe starters and game situations like that, where you can, you know, find a guy like a Josh Palmer, who's probably available on waivers a lot of the times, but no, that wide receiver one's going to get locked up. So he's going to, you know, they're going to be making it to the second read more often than not. Um, so situations where you can find that, I think it's really valuable. Yeah, I think it's a great point. Yeah. All right. Well, again, uh, that is all for Belly Up Fantasy Live tonight. Thank you guys so much for uh, tuning in. Chris, what's going on with the Belly Up MDFF show this upcoming week? What days will we find you? What days will we find Dan? Uh, Dan is on still all days of the week except for Tuesdays, but we will be on tomorrow, Wednesday, or tonight, actually, I should say, and we'll be on again tomorrow and Friday. Please join us for our look ahead on Thursdays, or I should say Thursdays, and on Friday, join us again for our giveaway where we do our, our tips for what you're going to do for betting-wise, and we also give you opportunity to give your DFS um, lineups, give you some suggestions with the lineups you should pick for yourself. Well, it appears we may have lost Chris there, but definitely um, make sure to tune into the Belly Up MDFF show. They do such a great job. Uh, The Friday show, they do their betting stuff. I believe Thursdays, they kind of look ahead as far as uh, matchups, you know, guys you can and can't play. Um, So definitely, you know, go make sure to check check that out. Make sure you go check out uh, the other Belly Up Fantasy Live shows. Uh, So there's a a Wednesday show uh, that does – Again, kind of looking at upcoming matchups, kind of guys you may or may want to hit. Kind of my last point about, you know, what to play against what teams. Uh, that's uh, the show you want to go to, learn all about that. They do a great job over there. Then Sunday, you know, get your starting lineup right. Ask your start, quit, sit questions. That's a very interactive show. Uh, throw all your questions over there. Of course, always feel free to throw them to us as well. 
Um, but you know, they're, it, that show is built to be very interactive. So definitely go hit them up on a Sunday. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and we will see you next time. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.